You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. It's good to have you here. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm just going to pray one more time. I have a, a, a thought in my heart, a simple message to you, but I truly believe that this can be defining for many of you here. So if you don't mind closing your eyes and uh, let's pray. God, we're here this morning and we want to hear from you. Every single person here, we came because we want to hear from you, Father. And we sing because we want you in our lives. And Jesus, I, I submit every single thought, every single thing that I'll say right now and share with your people. But I pray, God, that you be ministering in their hearts. And you'll be sharing your revelation, your inspiration to them in their hearts right now, Father. And even if I don't say what they need to hear, Jesus, I pray that you whisper your thoughts and your, and your desires in their hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. I, uh, I've titled my message today, Known by God. Known by God. And, you know, I... I, I, I sent an email earlier this week and I asked the question, what difference does your belief in God make in your life? What difference does this search that you have for God actually make? Where does it drive you toward? Where does it take you? What's the, what's the epicenter of this transformation that we believe and that we speak of believing in Jesus, that Jesus came to announce? You know, maybe you're here and you're part of a connect group or you come on Sundays and and that's all good. Maybe you're even part of one of our teams and you give of your talents and you, you submit your life to God in that way. And that's great. But how about your belief in God, your search for God, the, the, the thing that drives you toward God from the inside out? Have you thought about these questions? There is a widespread notion that we all share that religion is connected to obligation. That religion is connected to duty. And this idea is so strong, so embedded, that when we think about our relationship with God, typically we think about it in that context of religious obligation, of religious duty. And that can bleed into our search for God. We think about practices. We think about rituals. We think about things that we can do. And this idea is so embedded this relationship between religion and obligation, religion and duty, that when we look at someone that does something, any, that practices anything assiduously, we say that that person is religious about that. If someone exercises every single day, we say, that guy is, that guy is religious about his exercise. Or we say, she is religious about her reading habits. She reads religiously. It is so embedded in, us, in our language that we automatically connect our religion to duty, to obligation. And whether this is good or not, whether this is positive or not, whether this produces positive results in our lives or not, this can quickly become the main thing about our relationship with God, about our search for Jesus. But this is not enough. And you probably have gone down that path. If you have, you will quickly realize that it's not enough. It's not enough for two reasons. First reason is because our strength, our resolve, our understanding are finite resources. 
They are not infinite resources. And the second reason is religious obligation is not enough because it implies that the burden of connection, the burden of search, the burden of making this relationship happen, happen is on you and me. It implies that we are responsible to make this relationship successful. But that's not the God we serve. That's not the God we preach. That's not the God we seek. We don't seek a God that is indifferent about our situation. We don't seek a God that doesn't care whether you win or lose. We don't seek a God that is careless, full of pride, just let, leaving it up to you to make the connection. No. We seek a God that reached out, that searched us, that came to us. He is compassionate. He is full of grace. Isaiah says that the Lord longs to be good to you. We serve a God that Solomon said that his banner over you, his banner over me is love. Love that Alini was talking about love this morning. His banner over you is love. Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. He said, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And if our religion, if our pursuit of God is based on our own resources, if our pursuit of God is based on our own abilities, then we will be frustrated. We were not going to achieve the kind of transformation. We were not going to receive the kind of life that Jesus promised and he came to preach and he came to share. We won't because, like I said before, our, our limited strength, we have finite resources and our limited strength cannot produce limitless love. Our finite devotion cannot produce infinite virtue. We cannot go beyond our own limitations. And if all we have is our own resources, we will sense that there's something missing. Maybe you haven't articulated quite that way, but if your relationship with God was contained within this mindset of religious obligation, you too realize that it's just not enough. It doesn't get you where you need to be trying to keep tabs on every single thing and making sure that you check every single box and that you are good with the requirements or what's required of you. And uh, maybe you articulated this way. We hear, it, we hear it a lot in our culture today. You might say, I'm not religious. I do believe in God. I believe that there is a God, but, but I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. That's who I am. I am spiritual. What actually you're saying is, I have given up on imposed methods. I have given up on things or on lists that, that belong to somebody else. I want the real thing. I want the real thing. And if you're here this morning and you want the real thing, there is an answer to that. So what is it? What's this real thing? What, what makes a difference? What is the catalyst to this life that Jesus has promised? Well, if you look through the scriptures, you will quickly realize that Jesus came into a, a, a reality. He came, the context of the religious fear that he came into was based on religious obligation. They not only believed in it, they were proud of it. They believed that that was the way. And Jesus walks in it. Saying things like, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. He came, I didn't come to abolish 
what was said. I didn't come to abolish the prophets. I came to fulfill it. So they tried to trap him all the time. They were all the time trying to create argument with Jesus. But if you look at it, most of the arguments were based on religious obligation. They were based on duty. One of the instances is recorded in Mark. Mark shares with us. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 33, it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart. And with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. They thought Jesus was a heretic. They thought he was profaning their religion. And so this scribe, this, this main guy, this top guy who knew the law asked Jesus, what is the main thing, Jesus? What is the commandment? In other words, what makes this whole thing work? If we are to succeed at this, what is the thing that I need to do? And Jesus answers very simply. He says, here's the answer. Loving God. You are to love God with all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, I grew up Pentecostal, all right? Assemblies of God, fire of the Lord, prayer meetings every, almost every night. And Pentecostals are intense about their belief and their devotion. So I grew up in an environment where, you know, you just give your all. And, and sometimes it's even to your own detriment of understanding what, what this is all, all about. And for the longtime Christians in the room, you might associate with this. You might identify with this because we can easily, and this, this is everybody, we can lead, easily translate Loving God into fulfilling lists, into giving up certain things, into making sure that we live a certain lifestyle. And that usually means depriving ourselves of certain liberties. And before long, we're back at square one. Before long, loving God is religious obligation. We're back at square one. There's, we're, we're living by duty. We're living by religious obligation. And so you keep trying to get better at it. If you're a long-time Christian, you might have heard somebody say something like this. If you do this or if you do that, God won't bless you. God won't even, he won't even, his face will be turned away from you. And so you try to, to, to learn what is it that God wants. And that's good. We should all try to learn that. You try to, you try to find out what pleases God, and that's good. We should all do that. You try to increase your knowledge of God, and we should do that. But here's the thing. You can know a lot about what God wants and still miss the point. If you forget that we are to love God with all our soul, all of our minds, and all of our hearts. 
All the knowledge you will have if you forget this, if you forsake this, will be dead information. It will not be the word that is alive in us, that is meant to bring life to us. It will be a burden. This is what the Apostle Paul said in line 2 that he said it in 1 Corinthians verses uh, two, uh, chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. He said, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Paul is talking about the difference between knowledge and love. In other words, he's saying you can know a, lo a whole lot about God. You can lecture people on knowing God and how much you know about God. But unless you love him, it doesn't really make a difference in your life. You, you, we ought to love him. Now, in this passage is a passage that we, we tend to gloss over and just kind of skim through it. Because Paul is addressing an issue that you and I are not really typically concerned about. He's addressing foods that are offered to idols. So he's talking to people about eating foods that are offered to idols. And you and I, we don't, we don't go to a friend's house and wonder if they offered the plate that they're offering you to Satan. You don't go to a grocery store and wonder, like, I wonder if they offered all these, these delicious food here that I'm buying to Satan. And we don't walk into a McDonald's and hold the Big Mac and say, was this given to a demon before he came to my desk? You know, you don't, you don't really think about that. But in their reality, in their culture, this was a real thing. It was part of their everyday thing. Offering foods to idols was part of their culture. It was all around them. And this was a serious problem for uh, Christians because are they to follow the Jewish law? Are they to, and, and Paul is not supporting or, or bashing it. He's saying, listen, if you, are, if you are thinking that your relationship with God is about making sure that you check what everything, where everything comes from, making sure that you are keeping tabs on the source of your, see, this is not a nutrition thing. This is not about the nutrition of your body. This is a matter of devotion. This is a matter of consecration. And this was the worry of people's, in people's hearts. Like, am I being devoted to God if I take part in this? Am I, am I consecrating my life to God? Am I, am I honoring my relationship with God if I take part in this? And he's saying, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. The beginning, the source, the very beginning of your relationship with God should be based on your love for him. Not on you keeping tabs of the origin of everything and where everything came from. It's, it's, it's loving God because those who love God are known, by, are known by him. To keep it simple, to put it very Christian, you don't become godly by keeping tabs on the devil. You become godly by loving God. That's how you become godly. And he, in here we see, we see a trajectory that many of us might have taken. Maybe in your life. You might have made decisions in the past based on a path of avoidance. You might have made decisions about your life, whether it's your relationship with God or professional life, based on the things that you can't do, on the things that you shouldn't do, on the things that you won't do. And you're taking this path of avoidance. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you love God or that you're being directed by God's love or even that God is directing you at all. Because you can know God. You can know a lot about God and love something else. So here's a question. What do you love? 
What do you love? Have you stopped to think about that? As it pertains to your relationship with God, what do you love? Because love is meant to be a relationship. It's meant to be in the context of a relationship. Money can't know you. Positions can't know you. Your, your career cannot know you. And the choices that we make based on that, obviously we, we make our own judgment. But when it comes to our love, our devotion, it begins with our love for God. Because those who love God are known by God. Now, am I saying that you shouldn't seek to know God? No, I'm not saying that. We all should seek to know God and to make him known. That's, that should be the drive of our hearts. But the beginning, the epicenter of our relationship with God every single day should be rooted on our love for him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That protects us. That protects our hearts. But here's the thing. I love the scripture at Paul because it says that, that Paul wrote there in Corinthians because it says that he who loves God is known by God. And that's what I want. I want to be known by God. I want to be known by God. I want to, I want to have a relationship with God where God know, knows me. It's different to be known by God because God is omniscient, because he knows all things. Then being known by God because you come into his presence and you say, God, here's my heart. Here's who I am. Here's the reality of my life. Here's who I am and what I'm thinking about. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Know me. And loving God means this. It means that you live a kind of life where you cannot bear not having God in your life. This is true about me. I cannot bear being a parent without the love of God in my life. I can't bear be a husband without the life of Jesus in me. I can't. I can't think about my life or the context of my life without God in it. And my encouragement to you today is when you pursue God, when, about your relationship with God, when you look at your relationship with God, the context of your relationship with God, let your love for God be at the root of it, be the source of it, be the driver of your life. When you wake up in the morning, God, I love you. Thank you for giving me the breath of life. Thank you for giving me the ability that you have given me to do what I do. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for this. That will transform and change how we relate to God. Because if you go on the religious obligation route, you will always try to be accepted. That, that will be your drive. I, I got to be accepted by God, so I need to do these things. I got to be accepted by God, so I need to really make sure that I, that I keep tabs on my life and that I'm making sure that every single step that I take is fulfills the list. He who loves God is known by God. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your intentions. And when you have in your heart that assurance that you are accepted. See, I don't, I don't seek to know what God wants for my life because I want to be approved and accepted. I know I am accepted. I know that he has embraced me. I know that he has called me into his presence. So my devotion comes out of my love for him. And that's the same to you. You are accepted. You have been embraced. 
You have been forgiven. You have been made whole. So when you seek God, let it be out of that. Because you recognize and you have boldness in your heart that, you know what? We will never be good enough. We will never have what it takes to be in God's presence and demand things from him. But because he has accepted us, because he has loved you, because he has called you into his presence, because his banner over you is love, because he longs to be good to you, because when you were dead in your trespasses, his son Jesus came and gave you his own life so that you could be alive together with him. We come with boldness in his presence and we say, God, I love you. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Now, if you're a Christian, you know this well. You can be present in body. You can go into the religious obligation route in, in the facade in front of everyone. You can behave just right so that everybody knows that you're a Christian. Come to church on Sundays. Stay after for a little bit. Give them the, give the people around you the, the, the blessing and a good report and get in your car and realize that God feels so distant and that your relationship with God feels so distant that is based on obligations. And for some of you, you might have quit Christianity a long time ago because of that. Because you, you went to church and you're like, this is not enough. It's people, you know, it's, it's just, it's not the real thing. I need the substantial, the real thing. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it begins with loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is what Jesus prayed. John 17, verse 21, he said this. He prayed that they, might, they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is God's desire. This is Jesus' desire. This is his prayer for you, that you may know God like he knew God when he was on this earth, that you may know God and, and have a relationship with God in the same way that he had a relationship with God. And when we read scriptures, when we see how God, how Jesus and God were one, that's his desire for us. That we may live in God's presence in such a way that we are fully abandoned, that we are known by God. I want to encourage you this morning, if you are in this relationship with God and it's, it's been, maybe it's a mix of both, like you you do, you do have this sense of God's presence in your life. You do have this sense that he is real to you. But when it comes to your part in it, it's, it's, it comes out of obligation. I want to encourage you this morning to light up that flame. That flame to love God and to, and to want to be known by him. To be real with God in your, in your life, in every, in every part of your life. To just give your heart to him in such a way that, that he has access to your heart that you can hear from him, that you can seek him in the scriptures and in prayer, and your life can be transformed out of love, that your life with God may be directed by love, not religious obligation.
And if you do that, you will see the transformation. You will get past that glass ceiling. And you will see God's light shine in your life in such a way that it will be impossible to hide. You will share the love that you have. You will share the blessings that you have. You will, you will, have a, you will live a kind of life that, that you will attract people to it. They will look at you and say, my God, I, I, got, I got to have what you have. I got I to gotta receive what you're receiving. I, I need what you have in your life. So I want to encourage you this morning to open your heart and say, God, know me. Here's who I am. Here's, here's my dreams, my fears. Here's the ceiling that I'm trying to break through. Here's the thing that can't get past my mind, if you can help me with that. And here are the, the, the parts of me that, that I can't quite put together. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why I went through this. I don't know why I went through that. But here's my heart. Know me. Know me, God. And let's pray together. God, I lift up every single heart here, Jesus. Those that have been in this walk for a while and those who walked in here this morning and are not fully sure. God, I present every single heart to you. And I pray, Jesus, that the words that were spoken this morning may be seeds in their hearts to desire you, to love you, Father, and to point their lives and face their lives towards you. Lord Jesus, I ask that you do what only you can do this morning and that you walk in every single person's life here, Jesus. And you change their situations, change their hearts, and bring your peace, bring your joy, bring, Jesus, that that only you can bring. God, we offer every single situation here in heart. And I pray, Jesus, that we may find our way to you in love, not in religious obligation, but that we may find our way to you through the love that you have given us. You have loved us so much, and therefore, we love you this morning. Let's sing this song and we'll close.